The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. This time we have a popular guy on for this episode of Exploring Different Brains. And we're going to be talking to Jeff Emerson, who's a mental health advocate, public speaker, author, and he's got one of the largest social media followings out of anybody in the mental health arena. We're going to hear all about his incredible story today. Jeff, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Thank you for having me, Hacky. It's a, a pleasure and honor to be here to be able to share with you. I appreciate it. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Emerson, as mentioned, and I'm a guy who essentially uh, has been in and out of the mental health system as an adult, starting at the age of about 33, 34, roughly. Uh, and from that, uh, coming out the other side, uh, I decided essentially to write a book. I wanted to speak out about it, and like a lot of other people out there, uh, I wanted to see what I could do to not only share my story, but also, you know, the, the cliche term, help others, one or two people out there, whoever it might be. And it's built into this, giving me new purpose, ironically, and I'm just going all in on it now and, and seeing what can manifest from it. All right, so tell us the story, how you got into it. Uh, do you mean after my own struggles or before where it began? Just wondering. Well, you went uh, through a uh, um, a long a long haul uh, in order for you to get your diagnosis. Tell us about your diagnosis and the path to getting your diagnosis. Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting and, and was a major driving force in why I wrote the book that I did, at least the first book. So. Um, I have to remember it all, obviously, but going back, it uh, it all really came down to having a few, you know, checklist type tests from the DSM and 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 uh, others uh, to rule out things like the bipolar disorders one and two, cyclothymia, hypomania, uh, anxiety disorders, um, you know, and and several others, acute and chronic depression. Uh, and other things, and what we, the way it, the way it culminated, I guess to make a long story short, um, is that through all those, all those tests and things, basically the the I call it the label sometimes, but the diagnosis of ADHD was the one we went with, and I know that kind of sounds um, perhaps a bit uh, shoddy, or <laughs> if you will, but. I just I remember to this day when it was almost suggested to me that, well, you know, maybe it's ADHD. Let's go with that. Let's see how medication works for it. And um, certainly, you know, by well-meaning people uh, and, you know, all that stuff, you know, people did their best to try and rule things out. And from childhood trauma to other things, uh, diet, nutrition, <clears throat> excuse me, exercise, all that stuff trying to look at my overall life from a holistic perspective. But, um, and I didn't know any better myself at the time. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go along with this ADHD diagnosis. And it seemed at first hacky to uh, be an overwhelming sigh of relief because at least I, I knew, as I've heard others say, 
you know, it's like a weight was lifted. There was some explanation into why, you know, a lot of my past happened like it did. Not as a crutch, obviously, or anything like that. Uh, as someone who's very driven, but couldn't seem to convert that to success in any given area. <clears throat> um, so yeah, long story short, we went with that diagnosis. Uh, I remember researching some medications at the time, trying to figure out what might be, you know, maybe some more modern, um, cleaner, I remember was a term we used, uh, medications that, uh, again, I, not being the doctor myself, I, I'm, no, I'm no expert there, but um, Adderall versus Ritalin sort of thing and, and some others we were looking at. And essentially all I did was go on, um, excuse me, Adderall for about six, seven weeks, roughly. And that was it. Uh, and I noticed absolutely zero change. Um, I think I was on maybe two dosages at the time. So again, I know this is somewhat crude, but uh, looking back, uh, you know, and it was like a shot in the dark, uh, something while on that medication, speaking with my wife at the time, I realized I'm not really noticing much. Is this really supposed to help solve things? Uh, obviously, I was completely green. So from that, uh, it started the whole journey hacking into questioning my diagnosis and digging deeper. What were your biggest behavioral features that you recall back then? Uh, certainly a huge one has been obviously very driven, but, you know, going, saying, saying I'm going to do something, right? I'm going to pursue a goal, let's say, uh, university, college at one point, and very high expectations, uh, very high drive, and that sort of thing. But then for some reason, and, and this was such a huge frustration for me and gradually broke me down, but I remember the determination and the, uh, the desire and the words weren't backed up with my actions. So what would happen is I would realize the work it would actually take to achieve a goal, even though I, you know, I knew intellectually, you know, let's say a master's degree or something else, it's, it's in steps, you know, it's not obviously some grandiose vision, like tomorrow I'm going to achieve it. I knew there were steps, but, uh, and was very driven and, and all that stuff, like I've said, but along the way I found I was easily bored, uh, and lost interest through just the way that my mind would go and the pattern of thought patterns I had. Uh, in one way or another, I would find a reason, like in university, for instance, it was um, textbooks. And I found I, I'm more of an auditory learner, more kinesthetic, meaning, you know, I just, I need to try stuff. I need to be out there. I'm not easily able. And also with a bit of a vision, a vision issue, excuse me, that I have, uh, not a bit of one, but an actual vision issue we discovered a couple of years ago with an ophthalmologist. Um, I, that also helped point out in hindsight that reading and trying to study was futile for me. So I, I began to, you know, on one hand, I was already in research in year one of my honors program. Uh, and, and yet on the other, when it came to other classes, I was a bored, extremely bored. And I thought, can I just get to the good stuff, if you will, you know, later on where it's more self-directed and I can really show my strengths, I thought, as, as naive as that might sound. Um, but number two, the, the vision issues, where it was almost like self-sabotage. You're so driven to do something and so inspired and yet not doing well at it. And it was like opposing forces in my head. So that, I hope that explains a bit. That, then, uh, then when you hit your crisis stage, you had the courage to check yourself into a facility. 
Tell us about the crisis and tell us about checking yourself into a facility. Sure, uh, I can actually do it chronologically too if it, if it benefits anyone out there uh, to show the story for anyone going through things. Um, in uh, quick reference, 2008, um, on a separate note, I have a brother who committed suicide. So, and that's obviously another topic, but um, that had happened and I never spoke to anyone about that. So throughout this university issue, which was around 2009 or 2010, right in there, um, I was dealing with that, but also dealing with this stuff that I just mentioned about myself. Uh, and 2010 was the first time I actually went, it wasn't to a facility yet, uh, but it was to a clinic to try a medication, um, if I may add that in. So um, I, was, I was put on one medication, uh, Zoloft. Anyway, not that it matters what it was for this case, but uh, didn't help at all. And I just continued on. So fast forwarding. Uh, 2011, I actually then had a suicide attempt and still hadn't checked myself into a facility. But at that time, um, after the attempt, I effectively, without getting into too much detail, stopped in the middle of it, uh, walked upstairs and told my wife I need to go to the hospital. So that's where it really began for me as far as, you know, getting into the emergency room. Uh, so that was roughly late August 2010, or sorry, that was 2011, excuse me. And then January of 2013 is when uh, I committed myself from uh, fresh, like, you know, um, the, the depression and suicidal thoughts had come back, in essence. So yeah, January 2013, uh, we went back to the hospital and I remember signing the papers with my wife to be put under a form uh, to voluntarily commit myself. And my wife crying and, and me, you know, as a husband, feeling about that big, as I say, right? Uh, pride was shot, all that stuff. And in hindsight, it was certainly one of the best things I've ever done, though one of the scariest. Um, and ironically, speaking about my brother earlier on, he had been in that very uh, psych ward or mental health unit uh, before he passed away. So it was a whole mixed, you know, mixed thing with my wife visiting, my my dad visiting, and, you know, seeing my brother's room where he had been before he passed away. Uh, I know there's a whole lot there, but that's what happened. But again, in hindsight, one of the best things I could have done. Now, here at Different Brains, what we try to do is to learn and teach positive tools for people to use. Now, somebody's watching this who might be going through a depression and has other stuff going on what's the advice you give them obviously it's case by case uh like on on twitter i certainly first of all say i don't try to just have a cookie cutter answer of course right but what i would say is that for me and again because i've been there uh, the worst moments and the worst struggles taught me ironically they taught me the greatest strength, the greatest resilience, uh, and uh, almost like baptism by fire, right? Uh, they taught me to, they forced me. It's either one way or the other. Um, you're either going to go all in and and figure this stuff out and, uh, you know, or else it's obviously a, a much darker choice. And I chose the former, fortunately. Uh, I would say, number one, be... And again, I, I can only offer this from the heart. I don't have the perfect answer, 
but be gentle on yourself no matter what's going on around you is a huge thing i think uh, i know i would always get into the racing you know high expectation anxiety sort of uh you know mindset and self-sabotage in hindsight so i would say you're not alone definitely in this stuff and that you can go and i was remember i was 35 at the time so age, regardless if I was 70 or 12 or anywhere or whatever the age, uh, you can certainly overcome, you can change the future, you can, you know, all that stuff. But for now, be gentle on yourself. Don't rush it. And I'll finish with this. Like my wife said, it's okay to wave the white flag and allow someone else to help you. And again, the best thing I could have done. And that's why I'm here on this mission today. So, well, that's great. That and we're glad you are. And thank you for helping and inspiring us to, to do our best. Um, how do you see the overlap or the interrelationship between ADHD and depression in your well, case? From, yeah, for, obviously, I can only speak from my experience, but I see them as, wow, immediately in my head, uh, being a sort of whiteboard guy <laughs> or idea person, I see the linkages, the mind map. Certainly, you know, one can lead to the other, the anxiety, uh, the racing thoughts, or if it's inattention, whichever, whether it's inattentive ADD or, you know, the hyperactive ADHD or wherever in, in the middle, I, I realize that depending on one's, whether it's school, uh, their, their life, their, their home life, their social life, their uh, sense of self, without getting too deep, uh, you know, it, it depends how they are positioned, supported, um, do they, self-awareness is huge. So if you're, you know, on this, I don't, I don't like, obviously I don't like the word spectrum, but for this, for this case, I'll say, you know, if there are any issues with attention, that can definitely drive perfectionism, uh, self-doubt, all these things, feeling very small about ourselves because on one hand, whether you're like me, very determined and sometimes hyper and in sports and all that stuff, or if you're completely the opposite, more inattentive, maybe more inward, uh, we all, again, have self-doubt. I think across the board, we all have hopes, goals, all these things. But I want people to know that anxiety, obviously, which is partially a normal thing, something that can be useful, uh, can also be, again, self-sabotaging and to learn coping strategies, obviously medication, of course, is an option as well, potentially as part of the toolbox, right? Um, but it's one of those things where, again, it's case by case, it's tough to give that cookie cutter, but suffice it to say that we can definitely spiral uh, quickly from anxiety into depression and reinforcing, you know, self-beliefs and self-talk that's very negative. That was my case anyway, uh, as my wife would tell you. So learning to uh, maybe not buy into some of that stuff that people may say about disabilities, and I love the positive psychology aspect. I'm all for it. Uh, frankly, that's if there was nothing else I was known for, I would want it to be that. Um, you know, I think it's one of those things where finding other strategies people who are similar to them, who are successful, mentors, um, finding ways to deal with that anxiety when it comes up and build stronger coping mechanisms. Uh, those are all ideas and thoughts. That's why I like, frankly, to talk with 
obviously I'm not a, again an expert or a you know a trained therapist or physician, uh, but I like to speak to people one on one on Twitter via direct message that kind of thing because I can I can get to know a bit more obviously right, but uh, there there's certainly tools out there for dealing with um, the anxiety ADHD conundrum <laughs> in a in a positive healthy way. Uh, now does. Uh... Exercise and diet play a role with you? Huge. Personally, I actually call exercise my prescription. Uh, as someone who, uh, myself, I know that since the age of 13, I've been into, you know, weightlift. I was into weightlifting and bodybuilding and all that stuff and uh, had my own issues with anger and other things and worked them out in the gym. <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, nowadays I'm 41 now, as far as age is concerned and nutrition, we just recently even found out I'm lactose. I have issues with some, uh, with lactose, which can really affect mood and, and the whole gut, you know, mental health connection is huge, immense, uh, with so many things. So yeah, I, I notice I certainly have a sensitive stomach. So that along with working out regularly, but not at the same time, not overtraining. It, it's such a delicate thing, right? We all have to find our own balance. Uh, so yeah, it's immense, uh, between the exercise and, and the nutrition and eating every, maybe every three, roughly three to four hours, smaller meals to try and keep the blood sugar stable. All that stuff is, is, it, I, you know, I, I would do much worse if I wasn't paying attention to those two things. Yeah. One of your fellow Canadians, um, Dr. Derek McFabe up there is one of the world's authorities on gut brain, and he's certainly done a lot to help educate me and our audience about the, the microbiome and how the involvement there. Now, if someone's watching in our Different Brains audience with a loved one who's going through this, what you went through, what advice would you have for them? <clears throat> I would say, uh, firstly, I would certainly say to, because my wife has gone through this with me as a caregiver, she was, I would say to, first of all, make time as well for yourself. That came to mind because without her, I not sure where I'd be now, frankly. Uh, but as far, so, you know, caregivers need to make time for themselves and it's not a selfish thing. But from that, I would say to, Focus, my big thing, personally, again, I can only offer what I know. My big thing is to allow, and it's case by case, but to allow that person to focus on what they enjoy, uh, but also certainly remember you're not alone. Uh, there, the factors such as nutrition, exercise, or whatever it is, creativity, whether it's music release, whether it's getting out into nature, uh, whether it's maybe getting a little more social. Um, you know, I love ice hockey, for instance, and I'm a former goaltender. I love going to games. I love getting out there and spending time with family and stuff. Um, but aside from that, what's really kind of yelling within me is to say that you're not alone in this stuff. And I know that I caused a lot of heartache at home. Uh, so, and I, I chuckle about it, but it's not funny, obviously. And it's, you know, it's, uh, I wish I hadn't, obviously, and even going to jail when I was younger briefly and other things. Um, I would say a lot of the most, I'll finish with this, a lot of the most creative minds, and we all have creativity, we all have potential, 
but uh, you know just because someone maybe isn't that in that linear straight path you know the great grades maybe they're having challenges it doesn't mean and even if they're getting in trouble for law it doesn't mean that that they don't have greatness within them of some sort way shape or form whatever that is and by greatness i don't mean you know setting them up for unrealistic expectations necessarily it could be whatever they're good at so i would say please don't give up on someone uh for sure going through that and don't be afraid as well to reach out for help that's huge too because you don't have to do it all yourself do you happen to have the books that you wrote handy to show our audience i do i i've i've i'm working on a second one uh but the first one is beyond adhd uh and it's it's also an audio i, I just pulled these out actually but Fortunately, we were also able to get an audio version because people, um, I'll show that to you, uh, a lot of people, even like myself, prefer to listen to audio because I have a vision issue as well. But yeah, it's certainly in, in hardcover form and audio at this point, not paperback or anything else, but uh, also ebook version. And you named it Beyond ADHD because it's so much more than ADHD. Yeah, I and I and I know I know hacky that and the subtitle is overcoming the label and thriving and that's a play on words. It's very subjective. But yeah, beyond ADHD, I thought, hey, you know what? Let's let's challenge ourselves and it came to me in the shower as so many ideas do, right? Why not uh, you know, I was seeing so much on ADHD, ADHD and it's great people trying to support others prescriptive sort of articles and 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 that kind of thing, but I thought, why not and I, I received some friction from this and even getting the book deal because I'm not a psychiatrist and I, I fully admit that I'm not trying to be, but I have a new, a number of people in here that are experts, right? So I, I, I thought, why don't we assemble, uh, you know, a, a team of people from nutrition, social work, neuro, um, uh, neuroscience, I'm trying to think cardiology, uh, and others. I'm just not thinking of at the moment. Why don't we assemble ophthalmology as well? Because vision issues can mimic ADHD uh, and coexist. Uh, auditory, learning disorders, nonverbal, all that well, stuff. Well, none of this stuff exists in isolation. It really doesn't. Yeah. There's always comorbidities to, to everything. And what's your second book going to be like? That, I suspect, it, it's just, it's in early stages. But I'm what I'm wanting it to be is more, because this was very... Even though ADHD is a is a majorly expanding thing, I wanted to go more general, empowering. Uh, I didn't want to, you know, I felt sort in a sense I felt not bad, but I didn't want to just pick away at diagnosing. I knew the the majority of me is simply about empowering and inspiring and supporting people regardless of a diagnosis. So, but still, you know, providing value and and ways to thrive depending on symptoms or a diagnosis. So I suspect the next one will be related to anxiety, uh, more of a general overcoming challenges within it, uh, since anxiety is obviously obviously such an immense thing that's growing in society for many reasons. Right? As you know, I don't have to tell you, I'm sure. Well, listen, it's why I made it the first chapter in my Aspiratools book, because it rules all of us, and it does so much. Uh, how does our audience learn more about you? Where should they go look for you? Uh, it depends where they are, but I, I have, as far as social media is concerned, all the links are on my website. Uh, so it's at jeffemerson.com. Thank you very much, Jeff Emerson. It's been a pleasure. 
Thank you for making the time to speak with us here on Different Brains, and we look forward to having you back sometime. It would be an honor. Anything I can do to help out, uh, you let me know, and I'll be only too happy. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.